Tracy here. Welcome to season two of the Essential Stepmom podcast. Unconventional advice and inspiration about the womanly art of raising someone else's kids. Why unconventional? Because statistics show that nearly three quarters of step families don't last more than five years. So the conventional wisdom, the general consensus, the status quo are all leading stepmoms straight for the gutter. In this podcast, we look outside the box for better answers, for counterintuitive strategies to help us fight the instincts that don't serve us well, and to grow a new parenting reflex that really supports us and everyone else on this crazy journey. This season will feature interviews with some of the most interesting people I know, sharing their outside-the-box expertise as it applies specifically to step families. You're going to hear about modern Buddhism in step parenting, the stress around money in step parenting, new perspectives and insights about bio moms, how to deal with the prospect of never having a child of your own, coping with burnout and adrenal exhaustion, and using the challenges of step parenting to truly become that better version of yourself. So welcome listeners in 23 countries. I'm absolutely blown away by the reach of this show. And I would so love to hear from those of you tuning in from places like Serbia, Hong Kong, Spain, Greece, Norway, and Liechtenstein. Seriously, send me an email at info at essentialstepmom.com and let me hear what it's like to manage a step family where you live. You can do that too from less exotic regions like Canada and the US. I always have room to answer more listener questions. My guest for this episode is going to cover so many different topics, I don't even know what to tell you that it's about. Duda Baldwin is one of those rare women who actually always wanted to be a stepmother or an adoptive mother instead of a biological mom. If you're someone who doesn't want to have children, I hope you'll find her a kindred spirit. She's also a spiritual teacher who swears like a sailor, and she's absolutely true to herself in everything she does. So without further ado... Welcome, Duda. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today. I'm really happy to be talking to you. As always, we've had some great conversations already. Um, so let's start wherever. I mean, you, we, we met uh, in a kind of funny way online and we connected because we're both stepmoms and both interested in meditation. So um, tell the listeners a little bit about your stepmom journey until now. Sure. So firstly, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed talking about this topic. So I'm really excited to be sharing this. Um, my stepmoming journey is, um, is an exciting journey and it's also a journey of uh, learning, as you all know. So um, I became a stepmom three years ago. And I have two little boys with my husband and they are really adorable. So I came into their lives when they were relatively young. They were four and six. Um, and I always wanted to be a parent to children who are not my own biological children. So, as, you know, most of my 
life I was thinking I would love to adopt someone because these kids are abandoned and you know that was really you know something that I wanted to do for someone but it didn't turn out that way and um, and then I was toying with the idea or oh, maybe I'll meet somebody who's got their own children and boom that happened so um, I would say it was one of my wishes and <laughs> that wish came true that is that is a very unusual wish I have to tell you it's not everyone who says I always dreamed of being a parent to children who aren't my own like that you don't hear that very much no you don't hear that very much and um and uh, you know I'm I'm very um I, I would say I'm very out of the box. I was always like that as a, as since, since I'm born. And uh, I wonder why is it not, not many stories like this? Because I don't think that uh, women like myself are weird or odd or exceptional. I just believe that uh, women were pretty much conditioned to tell themselves otherwise about motherhood and that they were also quite pressurized uh, to become mothers and so I, I believe there's many women like like myself they're just not willing maybe to talk about it or they were not aware that maybe they don't want to be mothers you know we, we lived in a time at least I'm now 42 so let's say 30 years back um, you know it was not a time where people were open-minded and you know and doing mindfulness and meditation where they could reflect on who they really are it was more conditioned living where you know you were raised by parents and they were telling you that one day you'll be a mother and of course that seed is planted in you as a child and not many people would rebel against that and I think I'm just one of the women who did rebel against that I was very much in tune with who I am since I was a little child yeah evidently because it's uh from childhood that's a strange um no strange is the wrong word but it's an uncommon reaction i know there are many women and i'm having conversations uh, right now in my facebook group actually with women who are uh not having their own children by choice but who find themselves in a in a step parent role so there are a lot of them but um, mostly they come to it in adulthood <laughs> it's uh it's rare that someone knows from a very early age so i you're just the kind of person who uh, says it like it is. I think that's yeah. a big part of you since you were little, probably. Yes, and also I think um, I, I believe children are very wise, and um, but they also get tamed easily. And I think because I wasn't a child who was tamed very easily, I kept for a very long time my own opinions about the world around me. And I think my my uh, outspokenness comes from from that point well, what i'm trying to say is when i was a child um you know i looked at the world and i i had a very uh, intellectual father who raised me very much you know with in philosophical quotes from the stoics and you know and so we always had these discussions even when i was a child and i was interested in that i was a child who was interested in that and i saw a world where there was also a lot of suffering. And so I was quite, uh, you know, attuned to that. I saw what's going on. I was not a naive little kid. And, you know, we were all watching television and stuff. And I was very, uh, very much aware that there were children who are in orphanages and, and, you know, abandoned, abused. And I was starting with questions, uh, you know, to, to the local priest in the church. Mm -hmm. 
uh, you know, to my dad and I said, hold on, why do I need to produce another living being when there's like millions of kids that nobody takes care of? And it didn't make sense to me. And then the debate was opened like, well, you know, it's, it's nurture versus nature. And I kind of disagreed with that. I said, well, I'm capable to love that child there. I don't necessarily need to produce that another living being that comes out of my womb and my body to be able to love it. And this is, this is where I'm really adamant about because I do have two step kids today and some might argue uh, with me saying you, you're not a mother. So you don't know what, what being a mother feels like, but I would disagree. I would disagree. I would say I love them and I give them everything that a mother would do. But then it also opens the questions about what is love, you know, because love can only be unconditional and there's many mothers who condition their children. So is that love? Yeah. So it's quite philosophical, but it's also quite frank, you know? Very nice. Yeah. Oh, I, I really, I applaud you for your attitude for sure. And of course your stepkids are lucky to have you, uh, to have someone with that attitude. Well, thank you. Um, it's, you know, um, yeah, love, love is a, is a very interesting and, um, uh, you know, wrongly, um, communicated, um, phenomena in our lives. And so, you know, nobody's perfect. And my journey with my stepkids is not always, you know, um, roses or roses. It's, um, you know, it, there was, there have been adjustments and stuff, but yeah, we do love each other. And I tell them that I love them every day. And even, you know, there was a complete honesty between us. And I think I didn't even approach them any differently than my nephews or my nieces. Uh, or if I imagine myself having my own child with my husband, how would I tell them the things that I tell my stepkids? And it would be the same because it comes from my heart. My heart can't change according to what a person's role is this is how I function you know so there's a lot of there's a lot of um there's a lot of love between my stepkids and me and uh, it's also guiding them through life with you know telling them why things are the way they are and giving them the freedom not to like me if they don't want to like me and giving them the freedom to be angry with me if they want to be angry but then also tell them but this is, I am your parent and I know it's tough, but you will respect me and you will say hello to me when you walk in and you know, like certain things that they, I guide them, you know, but it comes from a good intention. So I'm only watching my intentions. Very nice. And yeah. was it, um, how, how long have you been together now with your husband? How long are you in their lives? Uh, it's just over three years. Okay. And it kind of, happened all at once. I know we spoke about your story, but you were living quite far away and your husband was in Australia and you had to move there in order to be able to pursue your relationship. And so it was kind of, you were all in right from the beginning. Totally. Yes. It was very quick. Uh, it happened really fast with us. Um, um, so it's, it's both our second marriage, but um, we were also both quite spiritual and probably enough self-aware to know who we are and to recognize the other person. So I'm lucky to have a relationship that I have uh, because I see many stepmoms that don't have that kind of um, conscious relationship where we work as a team and we were really working hard on the pain of me being a step parent. 
So he was very supportive to me. Uh, he was listening to how I feel. We were reading books together on research wow. about what stepmoms are going through. And I think this is really important because, you know, um, he did his role really well and he held me in my pain. And I, I was given permission by him to introduce changes to, to his way of parenting but also to make sure that the kids see that we are, you know, we are a team and they can't play us against yeah. each other. And, and we just focused on showing them what love is. And so we were always, you know, expressing love, expressing gratitude, and the kids just learned what true love looks like. And we always included them into that love space so i think we focused on love heavily on love love between us as, as as a couple and then love towards them as a couple wonderful wow that's yeah. big it's that's hard big. work yeah it, it is hard work can you uh, um because it sounds so you know idyllic and it's all about love and you are so easy to say that you love your stepkids and you seemingly have such a nice contact with them. Can you say a little bit more about what was hard for you? What was painful in being a stepmom? Right. So first, let me just say that I don't think love is in any way idyllic. I think that we get this from like Hollywood. Yeah. I'm not talking just about um, romantic relationships, but love is love is life you know and love can be hard and it can be you know mm -hmm. mild but um love is everything so um there there have been moments where you know i'm very intuitive so if i open the doors and i see a face i'm 99% sure that yeah, I, I, I see the emotions and the intentions and that's who i am i was always like that i read people very quickly whether you're 3 years old or 93 the, the eldest one was already aware of the pain of separation that he went through uh, with his parents. Yeah. The younger one didn't get it. He was only four. He didn't understand what happened between mom and dad. He was too young. But the older one was six years old, and he's quite wise um, and quite advanced um, emotionally and spiritually for his age. And he was going through that pain. And I was this constant reminder to him that mom and dad are not together. Right. Yeah. And so, and I can see that on his face, I can see it in his, you know, in between lines. And, and so it was really hard work to, to work with him on that because I honored his pain and, but it was also sometimes, um, you know, at my expense. So I had to learn how to honor my own pain, you know, without feeling like a bitch when I didn't like him in those moments. <laughs> so it was a bit of a, um, I think it was a learning curve about love for me. Like what is self-love? What is self-care? What are the boundaries and what is um, allowing others to feel, even if it's at your expense? Um, and I think that was the hardest part for me uh, in terms of my relationship with the stepkids. Well, I really like that phrase of uh, honoring his pain um, because I, well, I talk a lot to stepmoms about um, about how the how the kids are um, perceiving things and experiencing things and integrating things, and very often the stepmoms say, "Oh wow, I never thought about it like that," you know. Uh, mm -hmm. But that to 
to be able to hold space for how how they are experiencing things and how hard something is for them and the transitions like you know transitions are so hard as you as you just said you know and that uh everybody goes through this it's really a very universal kind of problem and i even spoke to a a biological mom a couple of weeks ago for the podcast and she was talking about the transitions back to her house as the biological mom from her ex-husband when her kids would go there to visit and how her daughter would come back and be so disrespectful and so rude and so hard to handle and she knew that the dad is really very strict and it's not that he was and he was also very cooperative he was not telling her bad things about mom he was not allowing her to behave like a wild animal and then she got used to it and came back it was just plain hard to make the transition and yeah. uh you know the the biological mom feels the same thing so um the transitions are super hard and people who have to deal with more frequent even than every other week you know there are lots of people who are doing two two three changes or something and it's it's like all transition all the time nothing but transition and and renewed pain like ripping off that band-aid again and again it's so hard so yeah i i love it that you're talking about honoring the pain of the kids as well as your own you see i think there's a when i when i was um when I realized that I suffer from emotions that I wasn't ready for, um, and I started to connect with more stepmoms and, you know, reading some material on it, um, what I found also was that it seems like quite polarized what we find out there. That there's like bitching stepmoms, which is like full of negativity. Like it's very hard, for example, to join a Facebook group of stepmoms because it's so negative. Yeah. Um, but then on the other side, if I would go and try and find some, you know, more spiritually aware and, you know, like people who are more like-minded, uh, then it was all about the kids and there's no balance there. And I, I disagree with both of these approaches. There is a balance. All four of us suffer. Yeah. It's a change for all four of us. And according to law of karma, we all have our own karma. We all are here for a reason with each other. And I understand that we are here to look after the children. We are, we are wiser and older and we have more strength to guide them and honor their pain. But that doesn't mean that we should allow them certain things at our expense where we then disregard our, our own um, respect, you yeah. know. And, and so it's a, it's, a very, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very thin line there, uh, you know, on occasions. But... I, I do think that I became a much better stepmom when I said enough is enough and now I'm, I'm, also, I'm equally important, 25% each of us. And of course you approach the child differently, but it's 25% each of us and it worked for us as a family. So if I needed my space and my time, I said it to them and it was honored. And then they had their own space and time and allowance and it, it, it works like that um, it sounds very dry but I just worked with these numbers and I said no 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 if I need my space or I can't cope with something I will say so 
And the children got it. They got it immediately. And they actually became more loving and more kind towards themselves and me when they start learning from me that I'm also honoring my, myself. They were starting to copy what I do. So, for example, if I put a boundary in place, it was a little bit of a shock at, at, you know, at, in, in some moments. But then I observed the next week when I came into my son's room and I requested something, he said to me, dude, I really don't want to do this. I need my space now. Mm-hmm. And that was so amazing to watch because I'm showing him what self-care looks like, you know, and yeah. sometimes, yeah. So it gives them also freedom to say what they don't like. You know, sometimes he would say, I don't like that you, that you speak to me like this. And that was super cool for me. That's great. Great. Let's talk about it. You know? Um, so I think stepmoms shouldn't also neglect their own because when we neglect our own we compile a lot of resentment towards the kids yeah and so the resentment goes away when you say no i sit down with the kids like i i don't have taboos i was breaking news to my stepkids quite a lot i don't think that you know i was the person who was breaking the news i would be sitting down with them saying okay i'm your parent and if nobody has anyone explained to you what that means what's my role no okay i'll explain it to you (laughs) because i'm thinking if i'm going to wait for the other side it's never going to happen so i'm going to tell the kids what's happening here you know and i will tell them how i feel about it and that how how they feel how they can feel about it and it was an open communication house and it always is and this is what makes it very easy now it's only been three years but our relationship is easy because they know they can come to me and they can say what they really feel and it's like what can you give your child more than that you know that's so wonderful yeah it's just having guts to to talk about it you know to talk about the ugly things too not just the nice things you know not pushing it under the carpet yeah really nice yeah. So, um, of course, the other thing that we have in common is a meditation practice. And yes. <laughs> um, so, talk about what you do, or I don't know how you got involved in meditation, or what it brings to your step parent journey. Mm-hmm. Well, I, um, I I meditate every day, and that's you know that keeps my sanity, but. Um, I think that I came to meditation because I accidentally became a Buddhist. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was living by Buddhist principles for a very long time, not knowing. And then I went into a Buddhist monastery for a course and, you know, everything they were saying just made complete sense to me. And I was just like, tick, 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 done, done, done. Yeah. And and I realized, oh, shit, this is really uh, something that, you know, I'm a life coach and this is really something that I constantly teach people. So I, I basically teach people in my coaching and in my online courses, um, you know, modern approaches to Buddhism and how it can help us with our negative emotions. And I, I live what I, what I do and I do what I live. And so I just apply the same principles into my step parenting. So I would, you know, I was look, for example, as a Buddhist, you can, you know, I I meditate a lot. And of course, you observe the kids with somewhat different eyes. You see beyond the curtains, you see beyond the conventional. And so if I would look at my two boys, uh, my, my husband also practices meditation Buddhism. 
we would, it's very evident, evident that, you know, like, okay, this little dude has a lot of karma of anger and this one has a lot of karma of selfishness. <laughs> and so you kind of look at that with different eyes and you recognize them in a, in a clearer way and see, okay, this is his struggle, you know, anger is his struggle. And then developing compassion for it. I, I struggle with anger too, especially as a stepmom. And I was then connecting to that little guy because I could, I could, I know how it feels. My husband doesn't have that. He doesn't understand why, why is he, why is he firing up like that? And I was then relating. I was, I was relating to, to the boys from, from a point of compassion, but we can only be compassionate if we are aware of our, our, of our own suffering. And as a Buddhist, I'm very much aware of my own suffering every day. (laughs) Yes. So I would see their suffering and I would also see their strength and I would teach them about compassion and kindness. Sometimes it's nice and sometimes it's not. Like when they were fighting for a toy, for example, I would, you know, one grabs it from the other and most parents would just verbalize what's going on there. But I would then do the same to, to the other child and then actually have a conversation. How does that feel? Well, it feels I'm sad and angry. Well, this is how your brother just felt. So I was just kind of trying to apply these Buddhist principles on a, on a, you know, on a kid's level. And I loved it. I loved it. But meditation and Buddhism definitely saved my sanity. And I would say it, um, without it, I don't think that I would, uh, survive in the marriage. I think I would, I would have left at some moments. I think it would be more troublesome. Yeah. I, we, I also, my husband also is a big meditator um and uh absolutely i'm i agree that it saves us both for sure um in my case it's meditation that even uh, brought me to be able to it brought me to the awareness that i wanted to have this person as my partner and i had been living with him already five years without any awareness of that at all we weren't we weren't romantically involved at all and I went off to my first 10 day Vipassana course and, and came back. And, you know, within a few weeks, I realized, you know, I heard myself talking inside my head, things that I, I just wasn't aware of it before. I had a new level of awareness and I started to say, oh my gosh, am I really thinking that? Like, I never heard myself thinking that before. And yeah. um, it was it was a real revelation. So after that happened to me, uh, and we got together as a couple, um, then it took him about a year to work up the courage because he, he thought it was a very scary thing. And it is for sure to go for the first time to such a, a weird experience, a 10 day silent meditation yeah. course. But, um, we've both been a number of times and it's, it's the thing that helps you to um, have the perspective, have a different perspective to be able to, uh, to see things in a, in a different light. Like you said, somehow behind a curtain. Yeah. You see, I, I feel uh, in, in meditation, we just peel the onion to, to, to the, to the root cause of the suffering. And I think that's what, um, why it's so important because 
we misunderstand our own emotions constantly because we are not actually aware what what is at the root of this yeah. for example if if my stepkid or my husband or whoever says something to me and we 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 would very quickly say i'm angry at this person but that if you meditate that's not the case you're actually feeling an emotion and then you explore the emotion and you realize you're not angry at that person you're angry at feeling that emotion yeah. So anger is just a reaction. It's not even an emotion. It's a reaction to an emotion that you might not even be aware if you didn't sit in the meditation and peel the onion. Yeah. And when you peel the onion, you come to that, that feeling, then you can actually honor that, that real pain, not the appeared pain. Yeah. And so I think people just, people without meditation, they, they are trying to resolve the wrong thing. They're actually not even aware of what's, what's the real pain there. What is actually the, the, the cause for this? And meditation is beautiful because it always brings you back to yourself. It's your own. And usually it's always fear. Um, you know, it always comes down to fear, fear of rejection or fear of not being loved or fear of being alone or fear of not being understood, you know, but um, we just don't, without meditation you don't have any opportunity to to stop and think what is this all about you know so for listeners who uh don't at the moment have a meditation practice and it sounds maybe intimidating to to start or they don't know where to begin or uh you know how to you just sit down on a cushion like i know how i do it and but what do you what do you suggest for people who would who are not meditating now but could really use some kind of entryway to a meditation practice? Mm -hmm. Well, I love this question. Look, I teach people um, meditation and Buddhism, and all of them meditate, and all of them meditate from the very first moment when they start, because I think there's a huge misconception in this world that we need to sit silently on the cushion. And, and God forbid any thoughts. And that meditation takes time and that meditation is hard. I think that's, that's a big fat lie. And I think people should start talking more about it, especially meditating. Yeah. So you can meditate with open eyes at your desk at work and it will help your sanity. You can go to the toilet and all, or meditate there. Mm -hmm. you can, there's meditation techniques that you can do on a subway. And there's meditation techniques which you can do every morning or when you get upset in the middle of the day. And you actually can have meditations in which you talk to yourself. But people don't learn these things. People say, oh, come to a meditation session. You need time for that. And you need space and you need to be calm and you need to sit in silence. So I think that's absolutely wrong. I agree meditation, with you. Yeah, totally. So even the, you know, the Tibetan lamas that, that um, I studied with and all the books that I read, um, you know, they very often say it's your check-in point with yourself. You're, you're actually meeting your emotions. You, you're kind of like inviting your demons to tea and have a conversation so that they can work with you. Yeah. And yeah. it's not silence and it doesn't require time. You can do it for three minutes. The, the only thing that it requires is commitment. Do you want to live in pain or do you want to give three minutes a day to this? What is your priority? And so if without commitment, forget it, you'll never meditate. And there is no quick fix. So people think, oh, if, it doesn't, if I don't feel my life has changed in one week, it doesn't work. No, it's a, day, it's a daily lifelong practice. So you have to do it every day because life happens constantly. Shit happens constantly. And therefore you have to be constantly in check with yourself. 
And so I would suggest to find people who teach simple, simple meditations and, um, and maybe also explore online. For example, I learned one simple introduction to meditation that can also be seen as a meditation from Eckhart Tolle in one of his discussions where he says, observe object after object without giving them a story, meaning don't judge the object. Because what we do as humans, you see something and you immediately judge, do you like it or not? You see a person and you immediately judge, you create stories about the person. Yeah, right. you, you don't know anything about them, but you dislike them. Whoa, yeah. And so then this simple technique, for example, that I'm sharing now is you train your brain and your mind not to create stories, not to judge. And I guarantee you three minutes of that will give you three minutes of a break from judgment and negativity. So you just sit on the subway and you say window, red, blue, chair, uh, person, woman, man, book, iPhone, iPad, book, 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 red, window, that's it. But you will also see that if you, when you start doing that, your, your mind will automatically go into a story. You will see a person and your mind will be quick and say, I don't he's grumpy. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is really good. This is a really cool meditation for people, for example, who are overthinking. Yeah, you are becoming anxious. Let's say you're at work, you're sitting at your desk and this guy in front of you just pisses you off and you go into all these overthinking scenarios, you know. Just stop and look at the screen and just observe what's around in the office and you will give yourself a break. You will actually allow yourself to detach from that, from that moment. And that's a meditation. When That's a fantastic think, exercise. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so simple. I do it all the time, all the time. And I learned it from you and I'm doing it all <laughs> the time now. And I love it. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. And another, another meditation that I learned from Eckhart Tolle on a video was to take one conscious breath, just one to, yeah, just one breath to follow the breath as it goes in and out. And anybody can do that at any moment. It takes a few seconds. You don't have to be sitting with your legs crossed. You don't have to have your eyes closed. And it frees that idea of just taking one conscious breath, uh, frees you up to do it at any moment. And it's like you said, it's a little check in. And it just, yeah. and of course, when you do it once, you very often feel like doing it again and a few times, but good, you yeah. know, but you're not obliged. There's no timer running. You don't have to say, okay, I need uh, five minutes of quiet. You don't, you know, to remind but yourself to pay attention only totally to only to that. And, you know, you see, I, I find it fascinating that I, in my classes, I also teach people, um, Tibetan Buddhist meditations and you just by the sound of it you think oh this is deep and complex yeah. and the bodhicitta meditation and yeah. tonglen right yeah. it's like it's the simplest but it's so profound it has such a huge impact on your it's deep work in in few minutes yeah. and it has a profound effect on your relationships and everything because it's a much deeper meaning to that meditation and it's simple like it's literally like people like this is it i mean yeah, this is it and every time when i get students in in my online course they are constantly saying this is my favorite meditation i do it every day and it's just amazing because that's a tibetan buddhist meditation you know thousands of years old and it's not 
difficult. It's and it's not sitting in silence. Yeah, and yeah, and I've done it. Uh, I've done Tonglen meditation so often, sitting with one of my stepkids who is suffering, yeah. and they don't feel like talking, but they're uh, they're okay with me to be there, and I just sit there beside them and practice that meditation and. I would say that it works very well. <laughs> I mean, I I would say from my perspective that I I see things um, the effect. I, I see, see the, the effect. effect. I feel that it helps the the tension to unravel yes. in a more um, I don't know it, supported way somehow. That it's supporting someone else to release their negative feelings. Totally. You know what? I, I always, you know, I always said to my husband, oh, you can tell I'm bonkers, but he always says to me, when you put the kids to bed, they always fall asleep quickly. Mm -hmm. It's true. They don't want to go to bed. They go to bed very early and they're full of beans and they just fall asleep within three minutes with me. And it's um, because I meditate. So yeah. I, I always lie down with them. I always wait and I literally um, meditate. And, and it doesn't matter which meditation, they just fall asleep. And it takes him 30 minutes. <laughs> but that's so, so great. I, I, totally, I totally agree. It's, it's because, look, I'm also, I can be anxious, I can be depressed, I can, you know, I can be nervous. Uh, you know, I have a lot of suffering on my own. And if, it, if I didn't meditate, I don't think that my vibration would help them fall asleep. Right. But when I meditate, I don't have that vibration. I have a totally different vibration. And I, I'm totally like convinced that it's the meditation. You know, it's the meditation and it's, it's just simple. It's simple and it helps the kids. It helps me. And if they see you meditating, they, they also, our kids come and join us. We never, I never show them any meditation because I don't want to impose anything on them. But they often come to us and they ask for it, you know, or they just sit silently. We meditate and they start asking questions and I just ignore them. And then they, they, I open my eyes after 10 minutes and they're sitting there with closed eyes. I don't know what they're doing, <laughs> but does, does it matter? You know, they, they were just in a happy spot. That's and it's wonderful. beautiful. That's yeah. wonderful. Well, the whole, the whole concept of vibration uh, is such an interesting one because I really something that sustains me in my in my life in my family situation it, and honestly in my job in my in my work in my friendship relationships is the idea that um i'm re responsible for my vibration and that that doing meditation is I, I for lack of a better word you know raising my vibration and yes and that 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 is a from that place of a higher vibration, so to speak, I can um, that brings other people along. That by itself brings other people. They are attracted to a higher vibration, and it's it's easier for me from that place not to get sucked in myself to other people's negativity. Mm -hmm. When I'm, you know, that negative emotions are a more coarse, heavy heavier lower vibration thing and if i can be responsible for keeping myself in a so to speak higher vibration that keeps me from getting sucked in to other people's negativity 
And it also, it's an attractive thing. And other people are drawn towards that higher vibration. So yes. I, it helps me to, it helps me to, um, to stay the, to stay the course, you know, that I know that I'm doing something really good for myself. And at the same time, I'm doing something good for them just by doing it. Yes, I totally agree with you. I'm, uh, you know, I, not many people speak about it, but I often, um, you know, I also struggle with, um, depression, depressional episodes in my life. And the, the more Buddhist I became, the more I felt the responsibility of me working on my vibration before I enter into somebody else's space. Um, and it's so, um, it, beneficial is the wrong word. It's so, it's a giving practice because mm -hmm. You know, I, I would be invited to some amazing events with people. And if I feel like I'm, I can't pull myself out, I will not go because I know what I'm doing to other people with that vibration. And, um, and I don't also, as you said, I don't have enough, you know, sustainability in my vibration to in, not to deal with other people's negativity. And, you know, and that's, you should do this for our loved ones and for friends and, and everywhere. So when I'm not good, um, meditation again brings me to the awareness this is yours Duda you know this is not your husband and this is not the, the people and if you can't put yourself out of this then you just stay away from people because you're not going to instill your unhappiness into into other people's space um, and I think when we meditate daily we can kind of check in with our with our vibration you know it's it's I wake up in the morning and I kind of check myself like I scan myself What's your energy like? Oh, I'm this, this, and this. Okay, now work on this and this. Otherwise, you'll have to cancel some meetings, <laughs> you know? And it's just, it's very practical, really. It's not woo-woo, you know? It's very practical to no, move like it's, that. it's not woo-woo at all. And I would say, conversely, some days when I get up and the energy in my home is too heavy, I say, I can't overcome this working here in the house. I have to be somewhere else. Uh, to, I, you know, it's too heavy for me here. And mm -hmm. I don't leave with a slammed door or some, you know, like you guys are terrible. I'm going away because I don't like you or something. It's for me. I just say, this is not going to suit me today, this atmosphere. And if I'm going to work on raising up my vibration today, I need to be in a different environment. And then I get where I need to be. And now I can come home and bring that, that good vibration into this heavier place. And again, I just see it again and again and again, that it always works for me. Yeah, it works. It's beautiful. Duda, it's so wonderful talking with you. And I want you to tell everybody how they can find you online and get more of your wonderful wisdom. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this and uh, I hope that it's going to encourage, you know, your audience to um, explore ways to, to, look, to look after themselves and, you know, their little ones if they're stepmoms. And, uh, yeah, you can find me on uh, littleschoolofbuddhism.com or kickassmuse.com. I'm a life coach and a spiritual teacher. So, um, yeah, you can find me on those two platforms. I also have a Facebook page, um, Little School of Buddhism, and I post daily, you know, inspirational quotes and some videos on how to meditate. So you get some freebies there as well.
Wonderful. Well, I'll be sure to put those links also in the show notes so that um, people can look for them. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy. This is just great. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to rate or review us on iTunes so that other stepmoms can find us and enjoy it too. Please join us in my Facebook community by sending a join request to The Spectacular Stepmom. I'd love to hear from you with questions or comments or situations you'd like me to address on this podcast. You can leave a voice message right here or send me an email at info at essentialstepmom. That's info at essentialstepmom.com.